Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Tony, I had a dream the other day, and like, I know, we I know, yeah, it's on. Um, you know how I joke, we, I joke when we get mad at you, like, in this dream, mm-hmm. I went off on you. Like, serious. <laughs> it was bad. Like, Did you start I was, fighting him? I was concerned. No, but you had to like step in like Russ. All right, look, I think that's enough. And I was like, no, F him. <laughs> like it was, I was going <laughs> off on Tony. But it, it, the, the part that was so realistic was we were recording, but we happened to be all together. And it was one of those instances, instances where Tony did something where normally we'd be like, Tony, that, stop. You can't put that in there or you can't say that. And for whatever reason, I was like, that's enough. And went <laughs> off. But it felt so realistic. Like I woke up, like my heart was beating fast. Like <laughs> I really just went off on Tony. <laughs> I've, I've had those dreams, but fun. never about a coworker and never about Tony. Nah, man. Maybe it must have been a great show. Things to come. Nah. The show, Russ. Welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure with my co-host, Russ Dorsey. We are really glad to have you with us this week. I hope we can have a fun show. We have Tony Gill here, obviously, as well. I hope that we can get into some fun things, but we need to talk about some serious things, too. There's uh, Correct. It's a, it's a very dark time in Chicago sports with the Blackhawks scandal. And uh, there's some other things that going on in, in the NFL that need to be addressed right now, too. But hopefully we will thread the needle perfectly russ and just walk that tightrope of doing the serious things but also having a little bit of fun and we are brought to you as always by obvious shirts happy to have them you can use promo code adjacent 10 to get 10 percent off your order with them they have some stuff they have a lonzo bull shirt that's a good one they also have an embarrassing bear shirt that uh always is always in good taste is always applicable um, and we are also brought to you by BetUS. You can bet all sports at BetUS, uh, including this weekend's college and pro football games. You can use promo code SPORTSADJACENT to get a 125% sign-up bonus. And uh, we will get into some of the games that are available on there later in the show. Russ, how you been, man? I've been cool. I'm chilling. Um, took a couple of days to just come see some friends. And I'm relaxing or trying to at least. And uh, yeah, man, I can't complain. Russ, for whatever reason, doesn't want me to say where he is, but he is in wherever he is. He is in a private cabana poolside. And so those uh, the noise of children that you're hearing in the background is uh, those are not his. 
Do you have an illegitimate family? <laughs> no, Tony. Are you dropping off money too? No. To support them. See, he's messing with you, but I also feel like that's a question he would ask somebody he just met too, like as a conversation starter. How much money do you make after I taxes? I need Tony to write. We should normalize that. We should normalize that. What? What? Stealing our business all over to everybody? No, we shouldn't. Yeah. That's the only way that we can all get more money. What? <laughs> I was about to say, what if you want to want people to get more money? Wow, you're an awful human being. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of how this world works, Tony. The, the, the man in the system wants us to not discuss it because then they can hide how much they're paying everybody. Go on, Tony. You got more than that? or no, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so, trying to let you cook. I'm trying to let you cook. A, oh. is, it, is that just a yeah, tweet yeah. that you read, or do you have some uh, thoughts no, no, behind no. it? No, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. Is Okay, if I can get away with paying one person a lot of money, let's convince them that it's rude to, to, to discuss this so other workers don't see how much I'm paying this one person, and I have to pay them what they actually are owed. If nobody discusses this and think it's a it's it's rude and it's uh uh prying in someone's business, I don't have to pay everybody what they're actually owed and what they're actually able to earn. Um and I feel like that was that's a trick of the enemy. And um I think we need to break <laughs> break those habits so we can rise up against the government and the man. Doesn't trick of the enemy usually, isn't that usually in reference to the devil? Yes. That phrase? Yes. Okay. Tony is so churchy. Um, (laughs) So this is a funny part of this whole thing, Tony. I think the part you're forgetting is that like, there's a, I don't, I know you don't understand about things being too personal. That doesn't apply to you in your world. Mm -hmm. But Jason and I, Jason and I were at the bank starting our show account. And the lady was definitely like, well, we need to know how much you guys both make. And Jay, I got I was fine. Jason got really weird. I'm not going to lie. Jason was like, Ugh. I mean, I'd rather not. I'd rather not do this. He was freaked out. I do, I do think it's, it's also a generational thing. I like, I, I, it's still a stigma around discussing it. But I think more young people are more willing to discuss it than um, more senior folks. Because it's been such a a, a thing, <laughs> Jason. You're senior <laughs> folks. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-seven. Like I, have, I, have, I have no problem with with discussing how much I make because I will. Say, what I make is not who I am as an individual. Like I'm I not will say, Tony, to that number. I make I make enough where saying it out loud, like I'm proud to say it. <laughs> like if I if I wasn't making enough, I would be like, you know, I'm with Jason. Like let's not disclose this information right now. But I agree with you. I do think it's kind of generational. Tony wants to hang out and like we all just like kind of look at our tax returns together or something. <laughs> yeah, Tony's like, Jason, what did y'all write off over there at the yeah, leisure household right. last year? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it does like because people are going into interviews, young people are going into interviews, like not knowing what to ask and what not knowing what their value is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that gives these, you know, employers all of the advantage you're going to take what we have whatever we think you deserve versus whatever the market says you deserve and that that kind of sucks so like i try and i try and make it like not a stigma around me like if even if it does like somebody 
it's like a, it's like a societal shame that you know you want to discuss how much you make or whatever i'm like i don't i'm not that is not me i am not defined by whatever my current salary is and i don't want to mm-hmm. ever attach my value to my salary because well, i agree I with you that. but then you want to know everybody else's salary for some reason not really no not for anything that's like i'm not asking random strangers oh how much you make it only pertains to the people <laughs> i think in your field right like what how much would it well help? yeah you need to know for that yeah. reason but yeah, I how mean, much would it help think... Jason if if you knew how much other bears riders who's doing just as much work as you it would and it, it would and it wouldn't i mean the newspaper industry is a little bit different than any other business it does not work the way you normally think of uh with you know standard pay raises annually and cost of living raises and things like that it's it's different and um i guess i've kind of always just known without even asking anybody if i'm being paid appropriately or not and i know there's been times where i was not mm-hmm. and i just went in and said i this isn't the right amount of this isn't the right salary for this job mm-hmm. and uh you know, maybe it would have been, maybe it would have helped me though if I'd known what other people were making. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I, that's a problem for me right now, so it hasn't really crossed my mind lately. I think we've bumped into like a sneaky good topic <laughs> on accident. Good yeah. job, Tony. This is what we actually pay you for, not the other stuff you'd be doing. <laughs> um, but I, I think you're right. Like, I think there's there comes a point where you're just like, man, I don't know what I'm worth. Or you do know what you're worth, but you don't know if you can quantify it enough to justify what somebody's paying you. And then every field doesn't have something like where you can have a manager or agent where it's like those people know the behind the scenes where they know what other people make. And then based on what you're worth, your value, all the stuff you bring to the table, then they can quantify that to an employer like me. I have an agent. But there's a lot of people who don't. Um, and there there's a lot of reasons I have one. Like, of course, they want get you more money and all that down the line. But at the same time, like part of that is some another person who can really quantify my value to somebody. But no, I think you're right. Like, I, I think while I do think there's a personal element to it especially in the beginning when look, man, there's some, there were some numbers I was getting early on in this business where it's just like, Ooh, I would not tell anybody this. Oh yeah. But when I first we started, all were, we all were. Yeah. I was thinking like, what? I, I don't, I don't even know if I was making like in the $20,000 range. Like, I don't even know. Like when I first started in radio, like, I don't even know if I was making that much. And you, you as a person shouldn't be embarrassed. It's the industry should be embarrassed. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, Honestly, you got to, the the narrative should be flipped it's like i shouldn't be embarrassed that i'm getting this i'm doing hard work i'm working hard it's not like i'm slacking off or you know whatever the case may be it's like no the industry is getting off on me at this point yo like they should be ashamed (laughs) this is why we can't trust him to ever talk about something serious he was was going so well like i I was giving him his props yeah, he interrupted himself with something inappropriate, of course. He was doing okay, and then, of course, but he the had point to remains it the up. Same. But the point remains the same. It's I don't know where that stigma came from, and I, like, I think we should all just think about, like, why does it hurt, or why does it feel bad 
if someone you know asks me how much like what is that that sharp stinging awkwardness that i get whenever i get that question tony they i get you i wish you could have been in the room when jason and i were at the bank and that lady told Jason, like, it wasn't just, uh, he, like, got up in his seat and you could, like, he was kind of squirming, like, I really don't want to do this. And I was I just like, nah, man, it's cool. Dramatic. Nah, it was dramatic, bro. Yeah. You, like, Have threw a pin on the table and said, damn it, I will not answer this question here. Well, that's a misrepresentation, but um, <laughs> I don't think anybody outside of my wife and the people that pay me know how much I make. I don't think I'd tell anybody. One of you had mentioned recently that you were uh, floating some numbers past your parents, and that seemed to me like I'm, that's something I would never do. That that seemed like a level of familiarity that I wouldn't have probably. Um, you know what I'd be more interested in, Russ, than knowing how much Tony makes is – where the bleep all of it goes. <laughs> I would love a rundown of Tony's monthly budget. I think we've done that. We've done that on uh, the Is Tony an Adult segment. He spends it on food, shoes, and Stephanie. Not in like that order. No, I didn't. Are no, you- it's, not in, it's not in order, but like that's the three <laughs> things. Uh, generally, I mean, I, I still get a car. You know, um, I try to reinvest the fleet. Yeah. in the fleet, you know, (laughs) I I try and reinvest, you know, still got to pay for, you know, gas and car washes and, you know, potentially another vehicle. So, you know, it's, 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 it's very, it's a very fluid situation right now. You know, is that what, that's what people say? when Thank you. Thank you, Ryan Pace. (laughs) Kind of want to be a Ryan Pace. He 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 does a good pace. He really does actually do a decent pace. I, 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 called him i needed to ask him about the fleet the other day russ because my car broke down sunday on the way to the bears game sunday morning which in no. general yeah the uh the radiator blew in the end it turned out um but in, in general like oh. downtown downtown is not a good place to have that happen um a just for the simple fact of where are you going to put your car like there's not it's not always there's not always legal parking available. I ended up pulling off the interstate right away uh, in West Loop. Now, what made it convenient about it being downtown is that my brother lived like lives like a mile away from there. And my brother was the hero, showed up, took care of everything, uh, drove me over to Soldier Field, then drove back and handled the towing situation with my car. And everything got worked out. Car's still in the shop, but it'd probably be back in a couple of days. Um, so that's how, like, how my workday started on Sunday. And then you got to sit through a Bears game, which is uh, <laughs> just a three and a half hour dental appointment usually. Although there were some fun parts <laughs> of that with Justin Fields, and uh, I, I'm going through all of the, I'm getting through all the stuff I got to do post game. There's more time spent on the work after the game than even during the game. It's a, it's the longest day of the week by far, um, and and really honestly, it's probably comparable to most of your game days, Russ. It, it's probably similar hours wise to what you do mm-hmm. pretty much every day. Um, but at the end of all of this, I'm like trying to get my stuff done. It's getting to be seven o'clock at night or something like that. I'm trying to get everything filed. And I got the stepbrothers over here, you two, blowing <laughs> up my phone with these conspiracy theories about Allen Robinson. Yeah. I don't have time for this, even if I have nothing going on. But I have you're a lot talking going about, on. You're talking about misrepresenting. Like mine was a very thought out point. I never said that the Bears are sabotaging Allen Robinson. I said, 
it's clear when you watch games, they're not targeting him like they have before. And that's weird for your what was once your best offensive player. How is Even that if he didn't practice. Well, I'm just saying you made it sound like I'm saying the Bears are doing something like, you know how, what I'm trying to say. Like, either- it wasn't. A, it's not a conspiracy. It's a logical thought out point. So I mean, who's not targeting him, Russ? The, I mean, it's, it would be play design. I'm not saying Justin Fields is sabotaging Allen Robinson. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying the plays that are designed are not run for Allen Robinson anymore. At all. Also, talk- I don't care. I don't think our our listeners outside of Chicago care about this. So maybe we should get off of this point. <laughs> no, it's a larger conspiracy about the business of sports and the oh, games really? within, within the larger games. Yes, and okay. it I will every say at every level. Chad Ochocinco once said, they work you out the system when it's the end. I don't but think I digress. Robinson is like 27. I don't think he's out of the system. No. Well, they've kind of proven like they could take or leave him at this point. Oh, I don't think they've proven that because they're leaving him and they're scoring like 15 points a game. So I think they need him. I think this well, would be well, like if- top of my list of problems to solve if I were them. Last point on this, his agent liked the that that tweet that I put well, out. Of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> so we know where, where they sit that on this topic. Mm-hmm. That, we know mm-hmm. where they sit on this topic. But I'm just like, if if I'm him, I'm just like, I'm cool on this. Like they didn't trade him at the trade deadline, which they should have. But uh, yeah, I'm out. If I'm well, if I'm young, Allen. Well, if they uh, just let him walk, I think they get a third round pick probably as a compensatory pick. So I. It probably weren't going to get much better than that, but but it is it is time for you know everybody that could get you a pick to go one way or another, whether that's a trade or you let them go at the end of the season. I had one more random thing I wanted to ask you guys about. Have you guys seen uh, Fast and the Furious Nine? I got to be honest, I haven't seen a Fast and Furious after Tokyo Drift. So where did that fall in the sequel? I think that was three technically. Okay. What about you, Russ? I have not seen number nine. Those all seem like movies that uh, that you would watch, Tony. All the Fast and the Furious seem like right in your wheelhouse. Nah, I mean, the storyline isn't enough to hold me from action point to action point. Like, it's a bit too flimsy for my for my taste. Like, uh, action movies tend to not be great, but like... I, Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible series. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Mind. You love those. I forgot. I love those. those. Greatest bathroom fight scene in the history <laughs> of bathroom fighting. I uh, I have seen, in a way, I've seen the Fast and Furious Nine movie in pieces over the past couple of months because everybody is watching it on the plane. Like mm-hmm. every single person is watching it except me. And so I'm seeing it on everybody else's screen. Does that happen for you, Russ, where you kind of like somebody is either watching it on the screen in the row ahead of you or watching it on their tablet, watching whatever it might be, not Fast and the Furious 9, and you kind of just like end up creeping on their screen for about five minutes just watching whatever it is? Well, we kind of – I don't know if I told you guys this a couple weeks ago when we talked about it, but like that's how I discovered Squid Game. Oh, right. A, A guy on a flight was sitting next to me watching it, and I just see people getting mowed down. And I'm like, oh, my God, who watches this on a plane? One. And then number two, I'm just like, all right, I got I to gotta see what this is. And it was Squid Game. So, um, 
but no i have had that where it's like that looks interesting whatever they're watching this seems yeah. very intrusive but that looks like a cool show or movie if they have the subtitles on even better because then i can read it from wherever i'm sitting but everybody's watching go. uh fast and the furious 9 and i i'm so lost on i think the first fast and the furious movie came out when i was in high school and i remember seeing that and then uh, that's the last one i think i i even remember seeing um and i can't who's after them what are they doing and who's after them do we know the you're general asking, like premise of the movie you're asking the wrong guy man the last one i saw was the one that they had to like kind of shoot after paul walker died and every so time I, you I Every time you see one of these, they're doing their the car turns into a submarine or the car jumps into a helicopter. And uh, you, just when you think like it, it's gone so far over the top that it can't keep going. It I, again, I don't know this because I can only tell what I've seen on other people's screens and I'm, it hasn't grabbed me enough to actually watch it. But I'm pretty sure they go to space in this one. It looked like they went to space. <laughs> totally space. Did you mute him or did he mute himself? He muted himself. Okay. That's cool. He's still muted. That's How cool. many? T- <laughs> one, one of the pitfalls, and just, just to be as straightforward as we can with our listeners and audience, which we appreciate having you guys, we all have full-time jobs and multiple jobs outside of this podcast, which we love doing. But one of the pitfalls that comes with that is sometimes we record and then a couple of days go by before this comes out on Thursday morning. And that's what happened last week where we recorded before the invest the report of the investigation on the Blackhawks was released. And then this came out after that. So we didn't address that last week. And this is one of the biggest stories in Chicago sports and, in, and really in sports nationally um, in years, I would say. I mean, this is an enormous story. This is one that I don't think no, nothing comes to mind as far as a comparable scandal in the four major sports anytime recently, at least. Um, but it has taken down basically everybody that was part of the brightest days of the Blackhawks, of their championship run in the previous decade. Um, and, and really just a, a thrilling, compelling 10 years for the city. And now you look at that differently. At least I do I, that. You can't look back at that as this great thing and separate it from what was going on behind the scenes where a 21 year old minor league player, Kyle Beach, uh, appears to be allegedly, it seems very clear from the report, was sexually assaulted by an assistant coach, the video coordinator, uh, Brad Aldrich. And the fallout has been incredibly wide ranging to where Blackhawks GM Stan Bowman resigned. Joel, Joel Quenville uh, resigned from his post as coach of the Florida Panthers. And really, I don't know what where you've been following this, Russ, or what you've been reading, um, or if you've been reading one particular writer or uh, um, or just reading whatever comes out about this. But uh, Mark Lazarus has done a really good job on this from The Athletic. And Ben Pope from the Chicago Sun-Times has done an absolutely incredible job on this while covering the team on a daily basis no ben uh ben is not only our colleague but he's been doing a really good job kind of writing as all of this has unfolded and he's been he's been on this since 
the beginning since a, a, a lot of this stuff came out. Um, yeah. If you think about, I know you said there's not a lot to compare the situation to across sports. The only thing is that you probably could would be uh, the Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn, Penn State or Larry yeah. Nasser at, yeah. you know, for U.S. gymnastics. Like those are the two situations that are comparable to this. And if yeah. bar none, it's a failure from the top down. Um, not only did you allow somebody to be a predator, that's what Brad Aldrich was. He was a predator. And he's uh, been on, convicted of that in ensuing in, in events has been convicted. Correct. And preyed on hockey players, preyed on the, the fact that he had power over others. Yeah. And that's the, the 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 part about sexual assault is like the person who does it has power over the other person. Yeah. And one of the reasons that this went on for so long, and it's not an, it shouldn't be an excuse, is that nobody in the Hawks organization thought that a guy that was 5'8", 165 pounds could sexually assault a 6'2", 230-pound hockey player. Right. Like, there's no way that could happen. Right. But it, they clearly just were just like, you know what? No, this guy doesn't have power over others because he's a coach and can have potentially control over these guys' careers at whatever point. Um, but just the failure from the top down and then to allow that guy to leave the organization and then go and do this again with a, yeah. a minor, like leave the organization absolute, cleanly, basically. Right. Right. With, yeah. with they let him have his name on the Stanley cup. They let, let him, him have his day with the cup. Right. Yeah. Like they gave him all these things and then said, you know what? Yeah. The, he, 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 this is, this is winning is more important than this. They found out about this during 2010 when they won the first. And John McDonough, who was the president of the organization at the time, said, right. I've come from a, a organization with the Cubs where this doesn't come along often. So winning has to come first, first and foremost, because we might never yeah. get this again. That is disgusting. That you prioritize. Yeah, and we've seen in sports where you prioritize winning over everything, but to prioritize winning over humanity, it's. I can't say I'm surprised, but it's still gut wrenching to think about. This went three weeks between when they found out about it and when they did something about it. And then when they did do something about it, they didn't really do much about it. Um, this is different than something that is simply a self-destructive problem. Like if somebody just had a drinking problem and you're like, hey, we, we're going to sweep this under the rug for the next three weeks because we're trying to win in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that that's right either, but this was something that continued to torment Kyle Beach. And this report that came out from the independent firm is 107 pages. So I, I obviously I didn't read 107 pages of it. I have read some pages of it. I've read some of the reporting on it, but in reading some of the pages of it, uh, Kyle Beach was not the only player that Brad Aldrich treated like this. This was, this could not have been something that nobody in that locker room knew about. And there are different versions of the the main event that took place um, in Brad Aldrich's apartment. I, I'm going to believe the version that Kyle Beach gave, which is that not only and this speaks directly to your point, Russ, not only was there a threat of physical violence by this coach, according to Kyle Beach, grabbing a baseball bat and threatening him. 
but also there was that psychological uh, power that you were that that you were referring to where he is threatening this guy's future this is a 21 year old minor league hockey player at the time Kyle Beach and he is telling him you know let me do what I want here or you will never play in hockey you never play in the NHL again and that happened right like even with all that that happened um Kyle Beach was the number 11 overall selection by the Blackhawks in 2008 and never played in the NHL with the Hawks like they ruined this guy's career and basically blacklisted him for something he had no control over yeah. for something where he didn't do anything wrong. Somebody, the organization did a lot of things wrong, but he was the person that had to pay the price. And for a long time was just identified. He wasn't even identified. He was John. It was John Doe. We didn't right. know who John Doe was, right. but we just knew it was a purse player in the Hawks system. And then he came out the day the report came out and said, Hey, I'm John Doe. Um, but like to hear the things we heard from the organization after the report, from some of the players after the report, it was, they did nothing right from no. when no. this started in 2010 to now, 10 years, uh, 11 years later, they've done nothing right. Players talking about Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane talking about, you know, Stan Bowman, he's a good man. No, John McDonough, those guys are, they're good guys. No, they're not. They're not. They covered up a sexual assault that led to a, another sexual assault. Yes. And did nothing about it and prioritized winning. Joel Quinville prioritized winning over Kyle Beach's humanity. Those aren't good guys. I don't care how you slice it. Like I understand the 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 sense of these guys helped me a long way in my career, and I can't fathom that they did this to somebody. I get that part of it, but to come out and say that these guys are good guys after seeing a hundred seventh report of the role that they played in this entire thing, they're not good guys. The Panthers, by the way, let Quenville coach another game before yes. everything happened. He he was on the bench, I think it was that night or the next night, and then uh, I believe did not talk to the media afterward, but they let they him. They didn't let him. He didn't have to answer coach for it. another game before he got out of there with a statement, and I, it is damning when this is, uh, this is common knowledge enough that it was being kind of gossiped about, it sounded like, around the team, where you have a former Blackhawks player harassing Kyle Beach on the ice about it during a practice or during a workout or something. And you literally have every important person in the organization in a room talking about this, discussing this. And the meeting adjourned is, we're just going to leave this and try to deal with this after the playoffs. And following that, Russ, you know, the way that everybody's handling this now in the aftermath when this has come out, I'm not sure if I've heard one good apology. I'm not sure if I've heard one apology that didn't have some sorry ass. Uh, well, it's not really my fault, but it's really exactly. bad that this happened or that happened. Like, I mean, everybody from Stan, I, Joel Quenville might have been the closest, but I mean, he put out a two sentence statement. I don't, I don't view that as a lot of accountability. Um, Stan Bowman saying, "Hey, I handed this off." And nothing like that was that might have been the most disgusting one. When you came to work the next day and this guy Aldrich is still here, you know, it's not been dealt with. 
and then you have uh, you have every you have the players. I mean, you have Taze, Taves, especially uh, defending him and defending uh, Bowman. And uh, and worst of all, like I know that you know he's been fired, and I guess has the option to be out of the public life at this point. But John McDonough, I mean, he hasn't answered. He this hasn't put on, out anything this is on you, and you can't even you can't even you can't even put out a statement on this. I I I don't like the fact that Stan Bowman gets this pass. Stan Bowman was the one of the most powerful people in that organization. And could have said this guy no longer works for the Blackhawks. Easily, and, and easily anybody could have. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry to be uh, kind of like, I don't know. I guess um, cynical about this, but like, it's a it's a video call. It's an assistant. Like this is yeah. Oh, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna sa- make all these sacrifices over somebody at this level. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the head coach. This isn't a star player. And I and I don't want mean to like demean that job of people who have the job as a video coordinator and um, scouting and helping the head coach uh, analyze stuff like this. But I, from the beginning, from the first time I heard about this, I was like, I, we're, you're really going to do all that for someone at that level? I mean, how crazy are you? And and how how like, askew are your priorities if you're going to do this for the video coordinator? Stan Bowman. John McDonough, Jay Blunk, like all those people over there who were executives, one goal, and you know, it's like, look at the how how far the Hawks have come. This was the worst organization in sports. Now it's the best. No, it was still the worst organization in sports, but this time for yeah. different reasons. Um, and it's it's like screw those cups. Honestly. Like I was like everybody else, like oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like the Hawks are killing it, closest yeah. thing we've had in a, in the city to a dynasty since the Bulls. Yeah, but what? And I was talking about this with a mentor of mine who who like has ears over there. It's like, what would have gone wrong if you did the right thing during the cup? Nothing. Right. You look better as an organization saying, you know what? Yes, we we want to win and that's really important. But this player's humanity is more important than that. So this is what we've done. And this is what we're doing. And we're investigating this right now. Like. There's nothing that they that they would have not they like the idea that you would have looked bad by doing the right thing is insane. It it absolutely taints that era that legacy uh when you say screw those cups i mean it it feels like that it's yeah. this isn't the case of like the uh the houston astros got caught cheating in the world series but it, we all still kind of know they're the champions and or like if uh you know somebody vacates a title years later uh in college basketball or whatever it's it it's not like that i mean this really makes those titles feel dirty and I want to come back to that in a second. Tony, what has been your reaction to seeing this all fall out all over the place the last couple of weeks? Um I'm not the you know biggest hockey guy, but it kind of made me think is like what kind of environment there is in professional sports where the winning becomes that important. Yep. Where you have to have a pol- uh, like a strong policy for something this obvious, you know, it's like if if you know if if they aren't told to do something. I mean, they're all adults. If they're not told to do something, then it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't. 
you call the police. You get the, <laughs> I mean, a crime was committed and they're like, oh, I don't, I don't. It's like everybody froze up and like nobody was, had enough courage, which I don't think it, I think it's more courage to try and hide this than it actually is to try and actually fix the problem because it's so obvious. Um, yeah. It's just so weird that. You mean it, ta- it takes more uh, audacity to try to cover it up than to just come forward with it. Right. Right. I mean, because everybody's going to who who's going to look down on you? Like what? What's everybody the downside? would unanimously say that that is the right move. The downside the is this was not a this point. was not a hundred. This was not you know decades ago. This was ten years ago. This was not right. that long ago. the The downside is right. They're thinking the downside is this player that doesn't even play for us causes us to lose a chance at a Stanley Cup. He's a disruption. He's a problem. Right. I, what, what, he doesn't even right. play. He doesn't right. even play on the team. Right. That's so, that's their this and this is like this is Tony saying what their thought process is. Right. This is clearly yeah. they're, they're and and that thought process has been laid bare in this report. Yeah, yeah. like for them, it's like eh, this is not Kane and Taves that got sexually assaulted. So is it really that important? That's what their action showed. Yeah, it's 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 crazy that something so obvious can just not be uh, viewed seriously. Um. And that supposedly winning was more important to all of these individuals involved that they could somehow convince themselves that was the right approach is 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 weird. And it, we everybody should take a look at from, you know, how we view sports from the fan and then how organizations like I mean, it, things happen, things are going to happen in the world because the world is not the greatest place and there are terrible human beings you know in our everyday lives that we encompass that we don't that we don't know um but i'm telling you right now i'm not caping for anybody who is accused one um and who has been found uh convicted of a sexual assault no matter how close i am to them no matter how it, it could be my brother and i can be like I don't know. You got to, he's got to go get investigated. I don't know. Like, I would like to believe that my brother didn't do this, but if there's evidence and he's been found guilty, it is what it is, bro. You're going to prison. Like, I'm not caping for anybody on that, on that case. And especially like this random video coordinator. Like, I don't, I don't get the loyalty. I, I, I don't understand the loyalty to this said worker it's just the all all of it was disgusting all of it was made me just look at society and how professional sports is run with kyle beach you know tony you brought up this thing of call the police i don't think you meant it like for kyle beach specifically but um imagine having something like this happen to you and feeling like you've taken this to the right people and nothing gets done. Imagine how powerless you feel. And and on top of all of that, you still got to see this guy every day. I mean, it's incredible what they did, to, what they allowed him to suffer through after this took place. Yeah, and, th- and that's why, like victims, they don't they don't come forward because all all of their fears are validated every step of the way. 
Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody oh my takes gosh. myself seriously. Yeah. Like, this every, has been all hell for things. Kyle Beach for right. 10 years. This has, been, this has been a horrible experience for him. All, there was, no, there was no freedom from this or like, hey, I've conquered this or anything like that. It's been a miserable 10 years for this guy. The, and then, like, I think the worst part of it all is that after the, after the report came out, then you have the Blackhawks putting this statement out after Kyle Beach announced that he was John Doe and Oh, we stand with Kyle and the wrongdoing that happened to him and all this. It was just like you sat in court and called him a liar. Yeah. For years. Yeah. You said he lied and that what he went through did not happen. I, and I believe I believe they went uh, two months between being informed of this and actually starting an investigation. Uh, the NHL has said that the Blackhawks told us of these allegations initially and said, and kind of indicated this is not a serious lawsuit. This is not a big problem when it's something that Russ, everybody in the building sounds like they knew about. And like the NHL, you're the, you're the league. You get to do your own investigation. You don't get to just get to take the word of the person who's being here. like, yeah, no, no, no. We got this under control. It's not that big of a deal. Like it's, it's cool. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation, and I appreciate that so many people have come to support Kyle Beach since this report's come out and since he's come out as John Doe. Like, I think that's great, and you can't change what happened to him, and you can't give him his career back. No, and that sucks. Um, but I like HR. Well, that's a, that's an important. That's point a big this, part of this. Way. That's a big part of this. Andy Grimm wrote something in the Sun Times about that. That this would normally be something that would go through HR mm-hmm. and would be then handled. You assume properly, but you have the president of the team saying, "No, no, no, no. I don't worry, guys. I got this. Don't we don't need to send this to HR. I'll handle this. I'm the the buck stops here. Uh, you know, he was described in the report, John McDonough, as extremely controlling. And wanting, you know, like micromanaging and things like that. And this was a situation that he wanted to keep out of HR. HR was out of the loop on this. And he wanted to deal with it in a way where he could make it go away. Well, here's one of the things like, like one of the people who was she was an executive director of HR for the Blackhawks was implicated in like she was she's no longer with the Hawks. So. September 2nd of 2021, 2020, I have it written down here. Like they no longer listed her as the executive director of HR. Mm. And like, if you look at the last year and a half of the people who've been in that front office, one, all the people that were involved in the front office since, since 2010 are no longer there. And a lot of the people who were, who would have played a major role in this, the director of HR yeah, who this would go through? That person is also no longer with the Hawks. So it's like not post organ like guys that they were no, people they were trying to sneak out of the building report before like this John blew up. Mc, John McDonough got fired uh, in 2020. Yeah, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so random. What really happened here? Like you look, you connect the dots now. It's like, all right, man, this is way more than just like he wanted more money and they didn't want to pay him more money. Like this or a couple this of was losing above, seasons or whatever. Right. This was this was way more than that. Um, and Jay Blunk and all these people who were foundational pieces in this organ in that organization are no longer with the team. Like organizational failure from the top down 
Um, it's bad. It's bad, man. And I don't know. I'd like to say that, like, the Hawks are, this is not important, but, like, the Hawks are not a good team right now. They won their first game yesterday, all right. season. I'd like to think that in a world where, let's say, they were 8-0 at this point, people would feel the exact same way. Yeah. But I have a hard time believing that. It's easier to shit on the Hawks now because it's like, oh, the Hawks are bad. They're garbage. Just add this to the, I mean, Quinn the garbage. Today because they're, right. you know, what, one of the favorites to win the Cup. They were 6-0 and at that point, yeah. the Panthers. I mean, yes. so we have that example with Joe Quinville. And but they let him I, go to practice, and they let him coach a game. I'd like to think that the city of Chicago, had the Hawks still been good, would feel the exact same way about the situation. I just don't know if we live in a world like that where I can believe that 100%. I think and that's do. unfortunate. I, I think we do. I think that, you know, for those of you listening that are outside of Chicago and maybe don't know what this was like, um, I was actually outside of Chicago during this, but I had enough of a connection to it and was watching it um, from Florida and watching it with my kids and uh, watching it when I was back here in the summers. And, and you know, this was this was a party that took over our sports lives for years for almost yeah. 10 years that they, they were either winning a cup or in the mix for a cup. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not trying to be over dramatic. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. It changes it for me. I, I thought this was such a fun thing. Uh, the other day I was like going through my kids clothes, kind of like trying to get the summer stuff out and put the winter stuff in for them. And there's a Hawks Jersey hanging in the closet. And I'm like, what I let my kid, if my kid was like, Hey, I want to wear my Hawks Jersey today. I'd be like, Hmm. I, yeah. I wouldn't feel good wearing that. I, I wouldn't feel good wearing a Hawks hat right now. It And again, like you said, most of the people that were involved in this are gone now. Like this isn't something that Jeremy Colladin allowed to happen or anything like that, but it just, it feels gross, man. It just feels really dirty that this happened during the middle of all that and was covered up. And I, I just can't separate that. I, I can't I look shocked. at that as a totally positive thing. Now I, I, this really does stain it for me, and I, I don't think I will ever be able to separate what they accomplished on the ice from what they allowed to have happen behind closed doors. I was shocked the night the report came out how many people were at the United Center that night for that Hawks game. It was either that night or the next day. Like It was the next day, I think. That building should be close to empty, and I know you can't get – you're not going to have that, but like it shouldn't have been as many people. Like, how can you, after reading that, hearing that, seeing everything that had happened, like you said, put on your Hawk sweater, Jersey, look at that Taves name on the back. Yeah. Take your tickets and go and, and in good conscience, go to a Hawks game thinking, you know what? This is the right decision. Like, yeah, you spent the money already. I understand. But like, I wouldn't feel good. About that I mean, decision, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think I really want to, you know, do that. Like people, they they go to these games to like, you know, entertain their families and, you know, enjoy a, like a night out. Like I get it, you know, making that decision. Hey, hey, guys, sorry, I know you're excited about, um, you know, going to the Hawks game, and I know hockey is, you know, one of your favorite sports, but. And I know we've been waiting, you know, to and, go to this game. And we've spent hundreds of dollars on the tickets. Right, on the tickets, but we're not – We, I can't go. Like, I get it if 
tickets were already bought and they wanted to go. So, like, I understand that, but um, I, I, I don't like going forward. You know, I'm looking at them differently. And if you catch them in an honest space, right, McDonough, Bowman, all those people involved, and you, they clearly made the decision. But I think if you tell them right now, because of the way they apologize, quote unquote, if you said, all right, if that was a deterrent from you winning a Stanley Cup, would you still make the same decision? Let's say we have the two results in hand. You report this, then you don't win a cup. Mm-hmm. And you don't report it, which you obviously did, and you win the cup. I st- I still think that they make that same decision. I agree. Yeah. Um. And I, I want to I'm going to mention this again. Um. If you've not been reading Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun Times on this, it's been terrific. Uh. It's been great reporting. It's been great columns that he's written, all while covering the team every day. I think this is every a beat writers nightmare situation where you're trying to cover the team every day. And now you have this, uh, something horrible like this dropped in there that is going to need constant attention. And, uh, Ben Pope has done an absolutely outstanding job covering everything with the Blackhawks over the last couple of weeks, Russ. Um, yeah. Shout out to our guy, Ben, like not only is he a colleague, like that guy is killing it right now and, and keeping people really informed about this. Um, Just want to put this out there. Sexual assault is really rampant in this country. And a lot of times survivors are never heard. If you need to talk to somebody, 1-800-656-4673, 1-800-656-4673 is the national sexual assault hotline. So, just want to make sure we give that people that um, resource because it's a big problem, not just in sports, but um, everywhere in life. So um, listen to survivors. Um, once again, like thoughts are still with Kyle Beach, like can't imagine what this 10, 11 years has been like for him uh, going through this and now having it come out. Um, and still it's it's still going on like that that lawsuit that he has against the yeah. blackhawks is still active so um i'm sure that he, it hasn't been a good this. week for him i'm sure it hasn't just gotten better since the report came out i'm sure it's been uh just an absolutely stressful and exhausting week to 10 days since since this came out for him scotty pippen is one of our favorite things to talk about here on sports adjacent and it seems like every couple of weeks or so, Scotty's back in the news for whatever reason. And and this week, never good though. No, it's never it's never good. Yeah. No. Um, well, for entertainment purposes, it is. But, but it's like, never like um, Scotty Pippen rescued a dog out of a river no, or something no, like no, that. No, 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 nothing. Ever like since that. ever since Last Dance, it's it's been nothing good for him. I don't nothing. think. Nothing. And his book comes out on November 9th. and so today or Tuesday, an excerpt from the book came out that he wrote for. GQ and it lists a couple of different things the why he's been upset with Michael Jordan and it's a text thread that him and Michael had and one with him and John Paxson where that led to a phone call where he told Pax why he was upset with the organization and yeah. John Paxson ended up crying according a whole bunch of stuff yeah according to Scotty per everything Scotty. I think every sentence you say the rest of this segment is going to has be, to be per have, Scotty have, Yes, it has to have that um, caveat to it because I, I I just don't sit here and take everything he says as uh, as gold, Russ. 
she he's been so upset like he just seems bitter like scotty seems yes. very bitter about a lot of different things Scotty's had a, an amazing life yeah and he's had great opportunities professional life yes professional life excuse me i'm gonna read off what i thought was one of the most not outlandish but mm-hmm. it was it was a lot from from young scotty in this quote each episode was the same michael on a pedestal his teammate secondary the message no different from when he referred to us as his supporting cast from one season to the next we received little or no credit whenever we won but the bulk of the criticism when we lost michael could shoot six for 24 from the field commit five turnovers and he was still in the minds of the adoring press and public the errorless jordan now here as i sit in my mid-50s 17 years since my final game watching us being demeaned once again in the last dance living through it living through it the first time was insulting enough over the next few weeks i spoke to a number of my former teammates who each felt disrespected as i did how dare michael treat us that way after everything we did for him and his precious brand michael would have never been michael jordan without me horace grant Tony Kukoc, John Paxson, Steve Kerr, Dennis Rodman, Bill Cartwright, Ron Harper, B.J. Armstrong, Luke Longley, Will Perdue, and Bill Winnickson. I apologize to anybody I've left out. I'm not suggesting Michael wouldn't have been the superstar wherever he ended up. He was that spectacular. Just that he relied on the success we attained as a team. Six titles in eight years to propel him to a level of fame throughout the world. No other athlete except for Muhammad Ali has reached in modern times. To make things worse, and I believe this is this is really what Scotty's upset about. To make things worse, Michael received $10 million for his role in the doc, while my teammates and I didn't earn a dime. Another reminder of the pecking order from the old days. End quote. Um, it's bold to say that you wouldn't be Michael Jordan wouldn't be Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen and friends. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. But like, what... What does Scotty gain from saying this? That's Nothing. my thing. Like, what Nothing. does Scotty gain? Nothing. I mean, nobody is nobody is hearing his side of this and being like, okay, maybe he was right. Nobody sits here and has any other reaction than that. Michael Jordan was all of the things that Scotty resents him for being. He was the greatest player in the game. He was a guy that, while Scotty Pippen was amazing, there could have been somebody else being Scotty Pippen. And Michael would have had a really good career and would have won some titles. Scotty is one of the top 50 players in the history of basketball. Bar none, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know why he looks at that as a slight. He looked at, yeah. at Michael saying that Scotty was his best teammate ever as a slight. Like, yeah. it was in it's one just, of the excerpts that I didn't read. No, but like, right. everything is a slight to Scotty right now. And I don't understand it. Like, are you. Uh, upset because you didn't receive the level of fame that Michael did or is it at the end of the day you just want Michael to say that you were more than what you feel he's portrayed you as what does he want him to say I mean best I don't know I, I ever I had know. is a is a compliment um I there there are little parts of the I mean you can feel his anger through reading this right uh when he says even right off the top that Jordan texted him and Scotty just kind of throws in there that I didn't hit him back for an hour and a half. 
Like, wait, are you a, a, a mad girlfriend? Like, what is wrong with yeah. you? He, like, he, like, let, he just let it bit. sit he's there for his, a while. He's in his 50, bro. Wait, he even he even gets into LeBron on there and says that, uh, you know, some people think LeBron is Jordan's superior as a player. Like, there's just totally gratuitous shots yeah. at Jordan throughout this. And not, none of it has worked, to your point, Russ. None of it – if he is tr- – what he's trying to gain, I think, is respect and people uh, coming around to his side of things – uh, and it just uh, it hasn't worked. I liked Scottie Pippen. I really liked him as a player, and I want to like him now. But so I mean, I'm open to being on his side here. But not, nothing he's said in the last year and a half has been something that convinced me. And it's and uh, it, for, again for me, it all started with if you ask me about the Last Dance, uh, probably top two or three among the top two or three things I re- will remember from the Last Dance is Scottie Pippen talking about that playoff game in New York and saying that he would do it all. He would do it the same way all over again. So not, not a good start on the whole Scotty Pippen conversation over the past year and a half. Uh, listening to that quote, I think, I think he has a, a point in this regard. Michael has been built up to such a degree of greatness that it supersedes the sport it supersedes sports um and to his credit i mean to his point michael wasn't michael until scotty got there like michael had already had a narrative and what i listen to you know people that recognize that jordan era for what it was before and what it was after because I feel like a lot of people, most people, don't remember the narrative that was of Michael Jordan before he won that championship. He's a ball hog. He just scores a lot. He'll never win. Like, that was Michael Jordan. For eight years, that was Michael Jordan until Scotty and Horace got there. And to Scotty's point, he doesn't win those things. What my father always tells me all the time, especially about that first championship, Scotty was put on Magic. That's that's what turned the tide of that series. Scotty guarded Magic Johnson. Like Scotty was there along the way, and I get, I get that we do this thing where we like to subscribe success to an individual because it's easier. It's easier for our brains to conceptualize that this one person did this thing, and I only have to respect this person's effort. Tom Brady, for example. If anybody should be forcing praise on their teammates in our understanding of how football works, it's, it, it should be Tom Brady and it should be the fan, but we're never going to do that. We don't we don't go to the the left guard, you know, of those championship teams. Like we don't we don't do that. We always attribute success to one person in sports. And Scotty, I get to Scotty's point that they don't do any of this winning without Scotty. And I don't think it's I don't think it's safe to assume that anybody would do it because they didn't. <laughs> like Scotty was a unique player at a, he at was. a unique time. And he was he was in a lot of ways to me a precursor to LeBron. But what does he he wants Jordan to say that they were equals and they just weren't. And, and I, that's and, what that's and, what he wants. And, that's what he wants. And, and I get they, that they part weren't. Too. They weren't. And I get that part too. Nobody like, thinks that. Yeah. Two two things can be right at the same time where we should ascribe more credit to the things that were around Michael because when it was just Michael, they didn't win. 
but also there's an understanding. And I, he may have done that a little bit in that quote that you just read, Russ, that he's like, in no way is he saying that Michael wasn't going to be a superstar. Michael was great at basketball, but he wasn't great at winning until Scotty got there. I, this is why I'm going to answer that last part you just said, and I'm going to try to make an example that I think people will understand. Um, that was the LeBron narrative for a long time, right? Like yeah. LeBron can't win. LeBron's a really good basketball player, but he'll can he ever do it alone? And then he went to go to the Heat, and people were like, well, Michael had to wait six or seven years to win his first ring. Not making that whole argument that like people talk crap about Mike before he actually won. Um, why don't he, he? He's basically and everything we've just read. Everything we've talked about since feels like Michael at every turn is trying to little bro him, right? He's basically trying to son him. Mm-hmm. And I don't, is saying that, I don't think in the things I've heard Michael talk about Scotty publicly, that he said anything that wasn't true. Mm. He talks about, he mm. talked about how he couldn't have done a lot of the stuff that he did without Scotty. But why is that not enough? He Scotty wants to hear that they're equals, and A, that's not correct, and B, Jordan wouldn't say that even if it was. But like putting this out, is he going to get this validation from the public? Like I don't no. know what that goal is. I don't, I don't. I don't know if he wants to be known as an equal to Jordan. I think he just the whole last dance was in Jordan's perspective, like the whole thing. It wasn't the last dance of the you know the last team of the Bulls. This was Michael Jordan's last year as a Chicago Bull. That's what the last dance ended up being. Um, And that's how it was spun from Michael's perspective. And, of course, we all love Michael. Michael gave us all these great memories. He gave us great shoes and, you know, stuff like that. So I I get it to to a certain degree, his frustration and the rest of the team's frustration. Like, he's the the one speaking to it. But I know of knowledge of other players that I've been around that have the same feelings about the last dance and how they're viewed as Michael dragging them to championships versus them helping Michael or boosting Michael to this status of fame, like Scotty said, of of, that only compares to uh, Ali. So I think two things can be right at the same time. I do think that they do need a little bit more credit than what they have been given and what the, that is the official stamp. The last dance, that is the official stamp of how we're going to view this team if we aren't careful to add the nuances of everything. I think, and this is one of the benefits we have by living in Chicago, like we see how those guys are received. Like Tony Kukoc just had a night where the Bulls honored him, and it was great, and you had a lot of former players there. Um I think people who know basketball know how good Tony Kukoc was. It wasn't just, oh, this was this Croatian dude who just came over here and who, like, he was vital to their success. And I think Last Dance, like, Tony Kukoc wasn't a huge part of it, but, like, you saw, like, yo, if this dude was on any other team, he would have been a superstar, superstar. It would have been really good. Right. But he just happened to be on the Bulls where they already had the best player in basketball and a top 10 15 player in basketball and scotty and they didn't need him to do that 
Um, I and where the way we look at Horace in this t- in, in Chicago, the way we look at a lot of those guys, like I think people that know basketball understand how vital those guys were. I just think part of ego sometimes is I'm seeking validation because I don't feel like I am validated from what I see, right? People yeah. might there you might you might be chasing a ghost in a lot of ways like there, there's you're receiving the proper amount of respect and validation and yep. all this other stuff but you feel because of other insecurities like i haven't gotten that yeah and so i honestly think that's where scotty is is just mm-hmm. like there's a and like you said tony i think we've talked about it earlier and jason i think we talked about it too like there's something else here like it's not michael it's not basketball there are other insecurities in life that scotty has and maybe he touches on them in this book but it's a lot more than what we've been seeing. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, Scottie Pippen is thought of and has been thought of in Chicago as one of the greatest basketball players of all time, as one of the greatest athletes in the history of Chicago, as an essential for those championship teams, has been called by Michael Jordan, his best teammate, his running mate, a guy that he depended on, an incredible player, has all these awards, Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any underappreciation of Scottie Pippen, and yet it's not good enough for him. He sees what Jordan has. Jordan has the shoes, the money, owns a team. They got a statue of him in the building. He's controlling the documentary. He's the most famous athlete of our time, and it Scottie can't settle for what his share is. Oh, can I make one more thing? Say one more thing before uh, we get off of this topic. Mm-hmm. I would like the next excerpt to be the night he found out about future. Like if, if, if that's, if that's not the next excerpt, I don't, I don't want it. You're asking a professional athlete to be self-aware. I don't <laughs> think he's very self-aware at all. Yeah. Russ, let's get to our weekly football roundup here. And uh, before we do though, there's a lot to talk about here. There's uh there's Jaguars news. We love talking about the Jaguars on here. Endless <laughs> right. entertainment with the Jaguars. Uh, the Bears are going to make an appearance in my NFL roundup, in our NFL roundup here. Um, but first, no, 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 you're going to like this one. But before we get to that, uh, this is brought to you by BetUS. You can bet all sports at BetUS, uh, especially the NFL. A bunch of games this weekend. Um, you can use promo code SPORTSADJACENT to get a 125% sign-up bonus. Uh, that's SPORTSADJACENT, all one word. And, and basically what that means is you put in $100 start an account, they kick you 25 right off the bet. A uh, lot of games of interest one of them, Russ, that that caught my eye is the Saints are a six-point favorite at home over the Falcons after losing Jameis Winston for the season. Uh, Rams are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Titans. The Cowboys are a ten-point favorite at home against the Broncos. And the beloved Chicago Bears are a six-and-a-half-point underdog in Pittsburgh on Monday night. Uh, Bears now 400-1 to one to win the championship. That That's like... Uh, that's like Falcons and Giants kind of territory there. The Bills are the favorite right now on BetUS at five to one. The Bills. Interesting. Bill, Bills, Bucks, Rams, Packers, and Cowboys are the top five. Um, speaking of the Titans, Russ, Derrick Henry sounds like he's basically out for the season. Maybe they mm-hmm. get him back at the very, very end. I think he's the only running back that matters in the entire league. 
and there are other good running backs, but I think he's the only one that's just straight up irreplaceable. That um, you, you lose him, you lose your whole offense. I would argue, you can make a case. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yes. I make a case for Alvin Kamara in New Orleans, uh, but that might be it. Derrick Henry is like last of his kind, too, because Kamara is a receiving threat. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry is I, I, first of his kind, too. I mean, I don't know. I can't think of another guy I've seen that's his size and his speed. Uh, he almost had 1,000 yards playing half and the they, And they started to throw him the ball this year, which is crazy. <laughs> they brought in Adrian Peterson, uh, 36 years old. I don't know that he's necessarily going to start for them and replace Derrick Henry, but um, he wasn't AP was a specimen. AP yeah. was also like that. Never different. seen that before. Yeah, he was different. <laughs> I remember. I remember when they uh, did his ACL surgery after he tore his ACL, and the surgeon was like, "It looked like it was a baby's knee because how uh, of, of how like intact and structural sounds. Yeah, how little damage there actually was. Like that. That's how I will remember Adrian Peterson as a football player. Like a doctor cut open his knee after tearing his ACL and said. It looked like it was a baby's knee because of <laughs> how intact it actually was. And then he went from that to run for 2,000 yards well, next year. Yeah, He had 1,000 yards in 2018 for Washington, and he was pretty good in 2019 for Washington, too. He might <laughs> – what? What? The ridiculousness of that. That he played for Washington? Oh, okay. I, I yeah. never know what you're giggling about. <laughs> Jaguars yeah. news, Russ. Just when you think the Jaguars couldn't be more of a joke, they go for an onside kick against Seattle when they're down 24 to 7 in the final two minutes, and the onside kick gets returned for touchdown. They were asking Urban Meyer, why did you do this? What was the point of doing that down 24 to 7? And he said he did it, quote, for the experience. I, I think this guy's doing the worst job in the NFL. And I say that as someone who really respects Urban Meyer as a coach. I mean, he's he's been incredible everywhere he's been in college. Now he's been a disaster in every way in the pros. I cannot see him lasting past this season. I have to do this to you. So before the season started, you said this man was one of the brightest football minds you knew. He is. He has not proven that so far. Well, he has proven it over the entirety of the rest of his career. But in the pros, you're right. Correct. (laughs) It's been a complete disaster in every way. Um, a 35-year-old man in New Jersey bet out of all the quarterbacks in the league, he bet Jets backup quarterback Mike White as the guy who would lead the NFL in passing yards in week eight at 125 to one. And guess who led the NFL in passing yards in week eight, Russ? Mike White, who threw for like 405? He was 37 of 45, 405 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, a 108 passer rating to beat the Bengals. Uh, That's his, uh, let me see, third game. He's been in the league four years. That's Mike White's third game. Uh, This this person who didn't want their name out there, Tony, because they don't like talking about how much money they have and they don't want people coming looking for that money that they have, uh, pocketed 125K. After uh, the last guy he had, this was pretty dramatic. The last guy he had to wait out was Mahomes on Monday night to see if Mahomes would surpass the 405 yards and Mahomes only ended <laughs> That's up. That's a scary, it's like scary three hours. I don't see that guy got a two for one there because he went actually went to the Jets game. So he goes to the Jets game knowing he's got this money, this like, you know, 
125 to one ticket on Mike White. So that makes that game much more interesting, I would imagine, to him as he's watching Mike White rack up passing yards. But then the next day he gets to watch Mahomes hoping, you know, kind of the same experience, but just hoping he doesn't doesn't get to 400, which he always could. Speaking of quarterbacks, Justin Fields had his best game. This now this is a weird thing to say to talk about the Bears looking better offensively when they only scored 22 points and I don't want to treat that like it's some kind of accomplishment to score 22 points, but Justin Fields looked the best that he has. He ran for over 100 yards and I just want to get like put me next to you on the couch Russ when Justin Fields runs for tw- a 22-yard touchdown on 4th and 1. What's going on? I probably yelled a little bit in my apartment. <laughs> There might have been some profanities. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Got to add that in there. Uh, that was it. it wouldn't they, be an episode of Sports Adjacent without at least uh, one apology. At least one. Dorsey. Yeah. At least one. Yep. Uh, no, it was. I at least I think that's his best game as a pro. And for all the dumbasses out there that were saying that Justin Fields isn't good and he probably sucks and he's a bust after five games in the NFL with a terrible organization and terrible coaching and it's all his fault. Like, come on, dude. And I think you just, you saw what everybody else saw and you, you got to quantify it for two hours on Sunday and be like, that's special. You saw him on that run. As Chris Tabor said, the acting head coach for that game that he turned nothing into something. And I don't know if Chris Tabor realizes that, uh, in, a, in a broader sense, that's what they drafted him to do. And that's what he has the potential to do to turn their offense, which is not good and has major major scheme and personnel problems, to turn that nothing into something with his talent. And it's not just like, I know people get, oh my God, he ran for over 100 yards and the touchdown run. There were some special throws in that game. Oh, like that goodness, touchdown yeah. he made to, to Jesse James. Jesse James. James was great. Rolling left, throwing left. Like, there is real arm talent there, and so I'm really excited to see the confidence continue to grow because we're coming off a game against the Bucks where you're like, hey, man, I ain't never lost before, so these dudes are – right. <laughs> I don't know how to feel right now. To go to that game where you could see him as the game go- goes, yeah. I'm like, yep, I can put this ball right here. I can run for 15. I can run for seven, get us a first down. Like, I'm excited for that. Like, wins, wins and losses don't matter at this point for the Bears. Like, as long as you continue to see that, you're good. They might matter for some people. They might matter for Matt Nagy. Um, <laughs> he doesn't run because he can't throw. He runs because he can. He has both. Right. The guy has a, an amazing arm. He he might not. He might need to work on. Um, he doesn't need to throw a fastball every single time. But he'll get there. He's got a great deep ball accuracy on the deep ball. He understands his job so clinically. He can explain bad plays and good plays to you so well and so clearly like it's obvious he knows what he's talking about and he runs a 4-3 man you can't just like put that on the shelf he does other things sure but he also runs a 4-3 I wouldn't just leave that out of the game plan the thing that I like about Justin that I don't like about his head coach and you kind of alluded to it just there when there's a good play or there's a bad play he doesn't just wait to default to, well, I got to look at the tape. You're right there. You can see it. You know what's going on. And I like that he's honest. And there's this fear in sports, no matter which, which one it is, 
that like honesty is some somehow <laughs> like I shouldn't be honest here with the media. Yeah. Um, it's too vulnerable. It's an admission right. that, you, that you're flawed or that you've done something wrong when everybody does something wrong. Like right. no, but no play yeah. in the league, no player in the league plays a perfect game on Sunday. And so to, to the, have the fact that you have a guy who is willing to go there and inform people about, all right, this is where this play went right. This is the coverage we saw. This is where the play went wrong. This is what I thought I saw. This is what actually happened. And that's why I threw that pick. Like, I like that about Justin. And, I, and, and to have that in his first year, that's really good for your room going forward. Like, that's going yeah. to be a guy that you can rely on for a long time. He was terrible against the Bucs. That was yes. a lot of that was on him. I'm not yes. saying he's a terrible player, but he played a terrible game. But that I was also, probably his worst game as a pro. Yes, I also have thought from the beginning he, he's going to have some games like that, and you you got to get him. You got to get through him. You can't just skip that part. Every one of these guys is going to have some games like that. Get it over with now. <laughs> one more story from the NFL, and then I have a college football story that's going to delight you, I believe, Russ. Uh, have you heard of Cowboys wide receiver C.D. Lamb? I have. We're not very many weeks into the season, but he's already been fined five times. Would you like to hear what he's been fined for? Yes, please. His socks were too low. That's a fine in the NFL somehow. Uh, that's $5,150. Your socks must cover the lower part of your leg. They got to go like basically up to your knee, I believe. Uh, untucked jersey during a game, $5,150. Untucked jersey during a game, second offense. That Then it skyrocketed to $15,450. Uh, crackback block that one, you know, you should be fine for that. That's $10,815. And then, uh, taunting 10,300. If you're doing the math on that, that's $46,000, uh, that he has been fined so far halfway through the NFL season. That would pay off my car twice. Uh, he's on a rookie deal. It's still pretty good. He's making, you know, 14 million over four years, but, uh, $47,000 is a lot of money. Um, I would say a lot of those fines I heard pretty much everything except the crackback block seem like kind of dumb things to fine him for. Uh, but those are the rules. And uh, counterpoint comes to us via Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper. And now, Tony Gill reads. Hey, guys. Nice to be back. You guys had a pretty heavy episode that I've been checking in on. I'm not indulging this. Just read it. All right, guys, Tony Gilbert Glasses back again. Do some reading. From Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper to 105.3, the fan in Dallas. I've never seen a player so young get fined so much. He's gotten fined like every week. It's very confusing to me. I'm like, do you like money? Do you like getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> And finally, uh, one more story from the football roundup. Russ, did you have it on your show sheet today that we would be talking about uh, University of Texas special teams coordinator Jeff Banks? I did not. Well, you should have because uh, he's got a pet monkey and it allegedly bit a trick-or-treater over the weekend. Oh, do you want to hear more? <laughs> it's okay. not actually his pet monkey. And that's what I would say if my pet monkey bit a trick-or-treater, too. But it actually is not his pet monkey. It's his girlfriend's pet monkey, Danielle Thomas. And uh, she basically confirmed all of this, um, which you know might not be great for the inevitable civil suit that will come uh, from a child being bit by a monkey while trick-or-treating. Um, she basically confirmed all of this, posting a video on Twitter 
that the monkey, whose name is Gia, uh, is hers, and that these kids were warned that you can kind of walk through the backyard. She had Halloween decorations up and stuff, but don't go up to that gate. You go up to the gate, there's a monkey there. You can't go back there. And uh, a kid did it anyway. That is the controversy surrounding Jeff Banks, special teams coordinator for Texas. It sounds like that's on the kid. Well, Danielle Thomas would agree with you. Danielle Thomas, by the way, uh, uh, I guess probably most famous for appearing on the Jerry Springer show as uh, known known then as the pole assassin. She is a professional professional uh, pole dancer. Oh, I thought. Wait oh. a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Now I got your attention. I had a monkey biting a trick-or-treater, and now now this is where you... So she's the coach? No, she's the coach's girlfriend. Ah, okay. The pole assassin is the coach's girlfriend. Thank you, Tony. You couldn't have said it any better myself. I thought the pole assassin was the coach. I was going to be like, oh my goodness. No, no, no. Okay. That might happen at LSU. We're really excited to add BetUS to our lovely sponsors here on Sports Adjacent. And like we talked about earlier on the podcast, you're going to log on to BetUS.com. You're going to sign up. They're going to ask you some questions, your name, your address, a little bit of your info. And they're going to ask you where you heard about BetUS. Obviously, you listen to our podcast. That's where you heard about them. You click podcast in the drop down menu. You're going to type in Sports Adjacent. After that, you're going to want to make a bet. So you're going to make your first deposit of 50 or more dollars. And put in promo code sports adjacent. Now that's going to get you a 125%. That's 125% sign up bonus to make whatever bet you want NFL, NBA, MLB playoffs, whatever you want, college football. They have it at betus.com. My picks this week Chargers at the Eagles, an over under of 50 for that game. I'm going to take the over. The Eagles obviously coming off a big game against the Lions. The Chargers have a high-powered offense. I expect a lot of points to be scored, so I'm going to take the over on that game. Next, Broncos and Cowboys, 49.5. I'm going to take the unders. The Broncos still have a strong defense, even though they traded Von Miller. And the Cowboys with Trayvon Diggs, they have a really strong defense as well. So I'm going to take the under on the 49.5. Last game, Browns and Bengals, 47 on the over-under. I'm going to take the over, the Bengals, high-powered offense, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, looking to bounce back after last week. The Browns, obviously, they have a run-heavy offense, but they can put up some points when they want to. I expect a lot of points to be scored in that game as well. So, taking the over, Browns, Bengals. BetUS.com, promo code SPORTSADJACENT, 125% sign-up bonus. Log on now. Russ, would you like to hear the news that we didn't get to today? Yes, please. There's a lot of it. I will try to keep it as concise as possible. Uh, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad did a very dad move. He posted a video on his Twitter or Instagram. I forget which it was now, which is also a very dad move of me not to remember which thing it was. Uh, of all the times that uh, his son was open and didn't get a throw or got a bad throw from Baker Mayfield or whatever. Um, and it was a very dad thing to do, obviously. But uh, especially because the the video was not oriented correctly, it was horizontal but sent as vertical, so you'd have to turn your computer sideways to see it. Uh, 
I'm sure he appreciates his dad sticking up for him nonetheless. Um, o- Odell Beckham Jr. not traded. Sounds like that's kind of what his dad wanted and uh, uh, not going to happen. He's going to play the rest of the year, at least with the Browns. He has 17 catches for 232 yards and no touchdowns in six games. I fully endorse diva behavior by wide receivers. And by, and by everyone, I know. Um, Russ, I, I have a blank spot on my uh, list of news here that there is a Marcus Smart item that I need to get to. I, I know nothing about it, though. You're going to have to so take the wheel here. The Bulls law, I mean, the, the Bulls beat the, the Boston Celtics a couple of nights ago after coming back from a 17 point deficit. Uh, and one Marcus Smart, who's been a part of the Celtics for a long time since he got drafted, been in that locker room for a long time, had a lot to say about their two young superstars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And I'm going to have Tony read what young Marcus had to say. Oh. Well, actually, Tony isn't going to read it. Uh, my friend Tony with glasses is going to read it. Tony, I swear. And now, Tony Gill reads. Hey, guys. Man, that was a quick turnaround. Uh, I wouldn't have left the room if I knew that uh, you guys were going to come back to me. But I'm here, nonetheless. You brought this on yourself, Russ. Marcus Smart from the tweet Twitter of Chris Grinham. I would just like to play basketball. Every team knows we're trying to go to Jason and Jalen. Every team is programmed and studied to stop Jason and Jalen. I think everybody's scouting report is to make those guys pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. That's something that they're going to learn. They're still learning. We're proud of the progress they're making, but they're going to make they're going to have to make another step and find ways not only create for themselves, but create for others on this team to open up the court for them. Later down in the game, where they're always going to have to take those tough shots or take tough matchups when they do get the one-on-one or they bring the trap. It's something we've been asking them to do, and they're learning. We just got to continue to help those guys do that, to help our team. Could you imagine what it would sound like if you read one of these silently in your head at any point before the show, before you did this segment, and then maybe it wouldn't sound like you were actually drowning while you were reading? That was one of the better ones he's done, I was going to say. But I, I've i talked to Tony about this mm-hmm. for a long time. I've been out on this Celtics thing for a long time. Like, I'm good. They, they it, and This is going back to Kyrie. They've been at they it for a while. Him. Like, this, this was never going to work. No matter what the combination was, you took out Kyrie, you took out Terry Rozier, you took out Isaiah Thomas, you interchanged it, you got two young superstars. That's not Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, like it's not working. And at some point, you're gonna have to say, all right, who do we pick? Do we pick Jason or do we pick Jalen? Because that's the decision you're gonna have to make. Danny Ainge, to me, is the softest GM. How do you have all of those assets? And nothing becomes of it. We thought he was the greatest GM of all mm-hmm. time. Smoothing and ripping off the, the Nets, Nets and the Timberwolves. They killed both of them in trades. But then nothing came of it. Like he was too scared to actually go get the guy that he needed to mm-hmm. win. He was too scared to part ways with the people that he had in order to get to that next level. So what if Anthony Davis doesn't sign back the next year? You win the championship. You yeah, look at Toronto. Right. Like, the, all that matters is that it. 
100 right. worth it's it totally worth it so like yeah no the, they have to be broken that team has to be built up behind one person um and because this combination isn't working Speaking of the Bulls, the Bulls have the best record in basketball as of this recording. They're six and one, having uh, beaten the Jazz. I, I haven't watched a second of it. I have not gotten around to watching the Bulls yet. I would like to. I would like to, Russ. I'm busy. Uh, Tony, give me like 15 seconds on what I've been missing. Um. Well, we all kind of knew that in the short term this year they're going to be a lot better. They got a lot better players um, right now, and right now they're playing. Well, Demar Derozan specifically is playing. Yeah. You know, like he's been a you know an all star, and Zach has never had a game forty something percent from three, really good. Yeah. Levine yeah. too, same, almost identical numbers actually for the two right. guys. Zach has never had that in his career. Now he's getting it. They're playing a lot better defense, um, and the biggest thing is they're not getting knocked out when they're being punched back, like in years past. If the team made a run, that was it for the Bulls. Now they're right. fighting back, coming back 19 down to win by 14 is something unheard of in the last like five years of the Bulls. So I'm gonna say this on my platform. Now, the day the Bulls made all those free agency moves, I was I think we I was in Denver and I mm-hmm. said, Who are they gonna beat? I'd like to recant my statement. Oh, wow. Because I know it's early. Okay, but the Bulls have beaten some really good teams, and they really know how to play basketball. And they got guys who can just hoop, like, and they've proven that positionless basketball. They lost Patrick Williams for the year, and they've proven like they can make this thing work. I still don't know. They're not. I don't think they're going to beat the Bucks or somebody like that. But yeah, the way they're playing right now, if this continues, they could be that surprise team in the Eastern conference finals. Like, look, the Atlanta Hawks made it to the Eastern conference final last year. I think a year earlier than people thought they would. So yeah, they can play basketball, man. And so I take back all that mess that I said <laughs> about AK and company when they put th- that thing together. I'm only going to halfway take it back because I, I had a good feeling in the short term that they were going to be a good team. Like I felt that they were reaching to be a good playoff team this year and next year. My concern was the next three the next four yeah that was my biggest concern. where's it headed big picture. picture yeah that, yeah are you gonna win the title yeah that's I, essentially that. what russ and i were arguing at the time too though is right that th- these moves make you a middle playoff team like maybe a right. four or five I seed see. maybe yep. but this doesn't this is not a step toward right. competing for a championship the bulls by the way have coming up now this would be a good time to start watching uh brooklyn dallas and then a big west coast road trip with golden state clippers lakers blazers and nuggets um, Russ, I watched my first TikTok video ever. Okay. First time ever. Uh, I looked it up and TikTok's been around for five years and somehow I have missed mm-hmm. it until now. Is literally the first one I've ever seen. A TikTok user named, um, named uh, what, what would you say his name is, Tony? How would you, uh, why don't you say his name instead of me? Uh, I'm holding it up for you right here. Black as Rick 01. All right. I don't know why we needed the 01. Maybe... Maybe the rest of that, the beginning part of that name was already taken. Uh, Anyway, Rick is apparently a delivery guy for Popeye's in Washington, D.C., and posted an after-hours video of their kitchen at a Capitol Hill neighborhood location that looked like it was straight out of Ratatouille. And I've been waiting all day uh, for just to watch Russ watch this. And I was so pleased to hear that you hadn't seen this yet, Russ. Please give us the delight of, uh, of holding your microphone near enough to you that we can hear you watch this. 
A few moments later. You still love that chicken from Popeyes? <laughs> okay. That's why. That's funny. But this is nasty, but that was funny. <laughs> Gets me every time. Um You gotta fire him, right? He's been suspended, he says. Mm-hmm. He says he's been suspended, yes. Go ahead, Russ. I mean it's not good I, for business. I, no, <laughs> no. They were probably not happy at Popeye's corporate. He didn't do the like the wrong thing. Like that's nasty, bro. Yeah, the counter argument would be don't have rats in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. The it, it's the the be- I was mortified, and I'm like, Jason, why are you <laughs> having me watch this video? But it was it was the camera turn to him saying, "You still love that chicken from Popeye's?" <laughs> that was the mic drop of the video. Well, it was like watching real life Ratatouille, and then the the narration that the guy did was you kept was saying that. Good. I'm like, what are you? What are you getting at with this? Did so you I'm never like, see oh, Ratatouille? God. Well, I didn't know you There's actually one part meant where like the rats, rats like take over the kitchen. Um, I didn't know you meant it like that. The DC Health Department did shut down that location after the video came out, but um, two weeks after the video came out, so that video mm-hmm. came out, and then two weeks went by where you were still loving that chicken from Popeyes, not knowing that. <laughs> Ratatouille was back there with his friends making it. Yikes, man. Uh, that, that location somehow, I was reading a local report in Washington, D.C. I wish I could. I wish I had written down where I read this. Uh, it was one of the TV stations. That place had been inspected three times this year and was hmm. still open. No, thank you. And finally, Russ, from National Geographic, you know they have Wait, that wasn't our animal news? Well, I guess it could have been. It was more our, uh, our Popeye's news. Last week we did Megan Thee Stallion's uh, hottie the sauce. Hottie sauce, got you. Uh, some types of herring, that's a type of fish, communicate about dangerous situations by farting to each other. Now, uh, plenty of people fart when they get nervous or when there's danger, but this is actually like a system where the herring fart back and forth at a uh, at a, such a high pitch that only they can hear it and predators predators cannot. Did you know this about herring? <sighs> Scientists no, have uh, have named these bursts that they use to communicate with as uh, they've called them fast repetitive ticks or FRTs. Get it? That, thank you, Jason. That's going to. Tony, do you think no. we could do a whole segment like just uh, like communicating only with farts or no? I look, I'm going to tell you all right now. No. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making an executive decision. I, no, I feel like we, we could have a good. Bulls back and forth about, you know. On that note, that's going to do. <laughs> I think at y'all big ages, we need to end the show properly. Can, Jason. He's ending the show, Russ. I don't know if you Jason, you're 45 years old. You're 68 years old. <laughs> You have two young children. Stop this. Don't, t- don't tell me it's not funny to you when Dave Chappelle is up there doing stand-up and he starts doing fart noises. That's still funny. L- let's, let's not bring Dave up for a while on this podcast. Mm, about, <laughs> that, might, that might not help us. Talks about oh. diarrhea being killer. <laughs> that's that's going to do it for this week's episode of Sports Adjacent. Uh, no, it was a heavy one <laughs> for a little bit of this, but sometimes that's what we got to do on here. But it eventually got around to uh, monkeys biting and rats running Popeyes and herrings and, farting. And we, we Scotty got going Scotty. Yeah, we got somewhere. Um, hey, can stop. This is not. 
as always, thank you to our sponsors. Can I get to the people who, that help pay the bills? I caught the, to- I caught the Tony illness. Shut, shut up. I'm muting, your, I'm, muting your, I'm muting your mic. All right. Uh, I'd like to thank BetUS for being one of our wonderful sponsors. Also, thank Obvious Shirts for also being a sponsor. You can use our promo code adjacent10 at Obvious Shirts to get 10% off and free shipping. You can use our promo code adjacent. Uh, sports adjacent at bet us to get a 125 percent sign up bonus when you use put a minimum deposit of 50 dollars in um for make sure you go on spotify apple music stitcher download the podcast give it five stars anything else am i missing before leave some we funny get out reviews. of here leave some funny reviews man yes i mean leave five star reviews please because we need the <laughs> we need the money but uh but re- leave some good reviews and we'll read them on here. <laughs> <laughs> you said we need the money and then it just stopped. You're not wrong, though. Um, <laughs> You're, you froze, I think. Go ahead. Take it home. No, no, it's cool. <laughs> For Jason Leisure, Tony Gill, I'm Russ Dorsey, and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports of Jason with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.